as you take your seats and as the worship team returns to their seats, thank you for leading us in worship. Uh, and thank you, it's good, as Ian said, to give to the Lord cheerfully, both those of us who give our tithes and offerings here in person, those who give online or uh, through direct debit, all kinds of ways to give to the Lord, including uh, outside of the ministries of our church. We're going to talk this morning about giving to the Lord as well. Uh, we're talking about Sabbath and about giving our time to the Lord. We're continuing this morning a sermon series on rest. We've been looking at rest as connection with God, connection with one another, connecting with ourselves, how God made us and who God made us, and also connecting with creation. And so this morning we're looking at the scary gift of Sabbath. Maybe you've never thought of Sabbath as a scary thing. But we're going to open up God's Word to Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 30, or 28. So only about five verses. They're going to be on the screen behind me, and you can also follow along in your own Bibles or uh, if you have a Bible app on your phone. So one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along with him, they began to pick some of the heads of grain to eat. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, David entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, referring to himself, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So far the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> now, when I was a teenager, I bought my first car. You can see it behind me. It was a year older than I was. It was this red Audi Roadster. It had a manual transmission. It might not look like much to you, but I was in love. I ran out of gas in that car, I got a fender bender, I got my first and my only speeding ticket. I kissed Kaylee for the first time in that car. Lots of good memories. <laughs> yeah, she, she usually likes when I tell stories about her, but not that one. <laughs> one time I took that car, I bought that when I was living in British Columbia when I bought that car, and I took it on a road trip all the way across to the east coast of the United States, to Boston, Massachusetts. And I was driving on some open stretch of road one day, and I just thought to myself, wow, life is good. And then I got really worried, and I thought, oh no, like how, how long can this last? Now, the Urban Dictionary calls that feeling scary good. When some idea or experience is so good that you immediately begin to worry how long can this last? You worry about something failing or succeeding and finishing. You worry about losing or destroying what you have. Scary good is like a toy that you get as a gift and you're so excited about it. You're so sure it's going to be worth something someday that you never take it out of the box. You don't play with it because you're worried it's going to lose its value. This morning I want to suggest that Sabbath is God's scary good gift to his people. We all have some idea of the good life. Maybe for you it has nothing to do with an old sports car. Maybe it does. But at the same time, 
Many of us are burdened down with worries and cares and responsibilities of this world. And the idea that we would even be allowed to completely step back, to take time off from our work and our responsibilities, well, it just seems too good to be true. It seems unrealistic. And so on Sundays, we add in shopping. We do a little bit of extra work. We quick finish up that project or we get all our homework done before Monday. Right, young people? It's not something you're looking forward to coming in a week or two. But that's how we often use our Sundays. We're scared of this gift. We're unable or unwilling to really accept it for what it is. And so we leave God's good gift of Sabbath on the shelf. We leave it wrapped up like this beautiful toy or gift. And we we might look at it. We might remember that, oh yeah, Sabbath is supposed to be a time of rest. But we never really play with it and engage the way that God intends. Why is that? Why are we afraid of Sabbath? Well, back to my car. On that same road trip to the East Coast, I eventually had to turn around and go home. And I was driving again somewhere along the highway, heading home, and I was shifting from fourth gear up into fifth. And somehow I managed to stall it. What actually happened was that I think I put it into third because the car lurched forward and all the dash lights came on and I slammed in the clutch and tried to wheel over to the side of the road, catch my breath, and restart the car. The only problem was after the car restarted, like in the picture behind me, the speedometer was stuck in the forward position. It had fallen over. The speedometer was no good anymore. So for the rest of my drive home, I was only guessing what speed I was going. And that's when I got my speeding ticket. (laughs) Now, obviously, uh, every analogy has its limits. And I'm going to try and stretch this one uh, to its breaking point. I want to suggest to you this morning that all of us have that kind of internal speedometer. Our bodies, our minds, our complex physiology that makes us human, we're able to gauge how fast we can go, for how long we can go before we need a break, before we run out of gas. And at some point, we need to stop and reset everything to zero. That's why we have sleep every night. Because we need to rest our bodies and our minds. How's that for oversimplifying our complex biology? I know it's more important than that, or more complex than that. But here's my point. If we go and go and go without stopping, day after day and week after week, if you push it until you stall out, you lose the ability to gauge what a healthy and normal speed of life is what healthy and normal behavior is. What's more, we become so familiar with going and going and going that we become afraid of stopping. It's like when you've been driving on the the Trans-Canada Highway for hours at a time. By the time you actually slow down and pull into a gas station, it feels like you're crawling, like you're hardly moving at all. All you want to do is pick up speed and go fast again. We're afraid of resting because in rest we experience our need to trust God to provide for our needs. In rest, we have to take a break from providing for ourselves, from doing for ourselves. We're no longer moving full steam ahead. 
In other words, we are proud people. We work for and long for our own personal honor to make a name for ourselves, to to do things, not just do things right, but do things the way that we think they should be done. It's hard for us to trust other people to work for our benefit because we have experienced in our broken world that other people also are selfish. Other people give gifts for their own personal advancement. We have learned through painful experience the sinful reality in our world. We can't trust our well-being to anyone else, especially not to somebody outside of our own family or our close friends. This is why the news, the good news of the gospel is so scary for us and so scandalous to us. Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, for humanity. In other words, Jesus says, this really is my gift to you. It's for your good. And we're not sure that we can allow ourselves to really believe or to really accept such a great gift from God. It all seems too good to be true. Werner Mischke, in his book, The Global Gospel, he suggests that Christians from the West... Western culture should be trained to recognize their Western, what he calls, powerboat mindset. It's not a sports car, but it's close enough. The powerboat mindset of, health, of uh, high control, he says, is about going fast, going far, and being in complete control of our lives or our mission, whether that's as a group or as an individual. The powerboat mindset for mission implies reliance on expensive structures, technology, mission machinery. In other words, money makes mission go fast. And there's tremendous pressure on people for the results and the measurement of outcomes in order to maintain funding. We put all this pressure on ourselves, he says, in order to succeed at whatever we're doing. And then when we don't succeed, when things don't go quite the way they're supposed to or we don't meet the benchmarks that we expect, We feel a lot of pressure very quickly. He suggests a new way of thinking for Christians. He says that we should transition to a more vulnerable, what he calls a sailboat mindset. A mindset of high trust. Trust in God, but also trust in others. This will help them, he says, the Christians in the West. It will help them to, one, better cooperate with the wind of God, the Holy Spirit. To better navigate the currents, the waves, the storms of life today, but also cross-cultural ministry and partnerships. Third, it will help us to serve more effectively in our communities. And fourth, to honorably collaborate with cross-cultural partners. There's a lot more to his words than we can unpack today. And uh, I'd be happy to talk more about this with you at another time. But for our purposes this morning, as we think about rest and as we think about Sabbath... I want to just pick up one part of what he said. Cooperating with the Holy Spirit and collaborating with cross-cultural partners. It sounds like two things, but really it's one. How do we cooperate with the Spirit? How do we collaborate with people who are different from us? Well, we start by listening. Listening is the joy and the witness of Sabbath observance. Sabbath is about listening to God about stepping back from the control and responsibility and tasks of our own lives 
listening to God and creating space to listen to others as well. Werner Mischke again reminds us the importance of listening. He quotes several different Bible passages. He says, It's easy for us to forget the weight that Jesus places on listening and truly hearing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says in Matthew 11. Or in John 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The Apostle James admonishes his brothers and sisters. He says, Know this. Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And Werner Mischke says, This is why great servants of God are great listeners. They regularly take time to listen to God in periods of silence and prayer and scripture reading. They listen well to their friends and if married to their spouses. They bend an ear to the wisdom of others in the body of Christ. And in our multicultural faith community, this is increase, this increasingly, this listening increasingly includes believers from other cultures. Great servants of God practice the discipline of listening. The Bible talks repeatedly about listening, both listening to God and listening to one another. And this is God's purpose for Sabbath. In our broken world, this very scary gift of, of Sabbath pushes back against all the pressure that we feel to work on ourselves, to exist for ourselves, to make a name for ourselves. Sabbath is specifically for listening to God and listening to others. The Old Testament law describes the Sabbath this way. If you ever had to memorize the Ten Commandments, you probably memorized uh, Exodus chapter 20. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the law that was given to the people after uh, the exile, it's looking back on Israel's history and it gives the Ten Commandments just slightly different. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons and daughters, nor the male or female servants, your ox or donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The purpose of Sabbath is so that you, as individuals, as a family, as a, that we as a community might rest, but also so that others might rest as you do. That we would remember God's power, His deliverance. Why? Especially today, so that we can be reminded that we can depend on God. That we can trust Him and rely on Him. When we experience that we can depend on God, not just when we say, God, I need you, but when we actually experience the feeling of needing God and we experience God's provision for us, then our lives become better and richer. I want you to see this morning that trying to force somebody else to, quote, observe the Sabbath is going to lead to exactly the opposite of the, of the results that God intends just like trying to force anybody to obey any one of the Ten Commandments, will lead to anger and resentment, to hurt and alienation. 
all of God's commandments, including his instructions to rest in the fourth commandment, all of God's commandments are invitations for us to experience a better life, life closer to God when we're obedient to them. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you if you want a better life. If you're a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus and you said, Jesus is my Lord, right? Which means he's in charge. Jesus is my Savior. He has rescued me. Do you want a better life? Do you want a life that is enviable, a life that is scary good? Well, take a break from your work. I've got a challenge for you as we close this morning. Commit on Sundays to doing something very simple. Each week for the next month, you can start September, do all of September. Each week, commit to do nothing that you know to be work each Sunday. This doesn't mean that you can't do anything, that you need to twiddle your thumbs and sit at home. If you're a part of the family, perhaps one of you cooks regularly. Well, offer to cook for your spouse or, for, or as a child, offer to cook for your parents so that they can have a break from their regular work. If you are always on the computer and you always have more tasks to do or more emails to respond to, just leave the, leave the laptop shut on Sundays. Don't power on your PC. Instead, take time on the Sabbath to listen to the noise of the room around you. Maybe you hear your kids or grandkids playing. Maybe you hear something going on outside. Who's there? Maybe you, you dust off your Bible, right? Mine's up here, and I think sometimes it still has some dust on it. Maybe you dust off your Bible and wonder what God is saying to you. Not just to River Park Church, but to you personally. Commit to doing nothing that you know to be work. One day each week in September. And see what happens. This is the beginning of, of Sabbath observance. It's the beginning of testing God and seeing whether he really will provide for you. Whether he really will speak to you. Whether you really can trust him. We need, as God's people, to take that first step of faith to allow our priorities, our work to drop in order to attend to others and attend to God. That's what Sabbath is. It's an invitation to listen to God, to be drawn into deeper relationship with Him and with others. This is what Jesus is talking about when He's accused by the Pharisees in our text of misusing the Sabbath. He, refer, he references, maybe it doesn't seem controversial to us, but it's one of the most controversial passages in the Old Testament to the Pharisees. King David, who's not a priest and not supposed to be in the temple, King David enters that temple, the house of God, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions, Jesus says. Just like that consecrated bread, Sabbath is God's gift to you to sustain you. If you still don't believe me, well, I'm not going to say it again. You just have to try it for yourself. Test it and see if God's word is true. The challenge I want to leave you with is this one. That whatever you do, don't go home today and do the same old thing that you always do. 
Don't go home and say to yourself, oh, that was a good sermon, or, or maybe you say, oh, that was a terrible sermon. Don't go home and do nothing and just continue on with your life. If you do that, when you do that, you begin to inoculate yourself against God's Word. You get into the habit of listening to what God's Word says and then doing nothing. Apostle Paul talks about this. He says it's like a man who goes and looks in a mirror, the mirror of God's Word, and then walks away and completely forgets what he looks like. That's the habit we so often get into. We look at ourselves in God's Word, we hear what God is saying, and then we go away and we immediately forget. It will be easier week after week if you begin now to listen to what God is saying, to take a step of faith and test God's words to see if Sabbath really is and really will be God's gift to you. And while you're thinking about that, considering what to do, I'm going to close the sermon with uh, one more story. When I was in high school, my family and I were invited to a retirement party for one of the farmers in our church. Cor and Leah Smith, that was their names, and they had a farm just outside town, and they had planted and harvested crops for their entire married life together. I was a kind of awkward kid, and I didn't always know what to do, so I didn't end up talking to anybody. I was just walking around, standing by the plastic tables, eating the food, looking at the peeling paint on the red barn, looking at the crops starting to grow. And as I looked out over the field, I heard one of the Smith's neighbors coming over and talking with Cor. He said, you know, all these years we've been neighbors. We've been farming next door to one another, and I noticed that I work every day of the week. There's always something to do on the farm. But I also noticed that on Sundays, your tractor is always parked Your fields are always empty. And it's strange. It kind of strikes me at your retirement that I'm no better off than you are. Even though I worked an extra day every week, all my working life. Maybe, he said, you're even a little better off than I am. This is what I mean when I say that Sabbath is God's scary good gift to us. It seems too good to be true. It seems impossible. It's weird and it doesn't make any sense when you do the math, especially to people outside of God's family. Yet when we set aside the time to listen to God and to listen to others, it not only feeds our souls and not only sustains us as individuals for the week to come, but it also becomes attractive and interesting to others. They see God's provision and they they can't understand it. They're amazed or intrigued by it. So this week, this next Sunday, are you going to rest? How will you do that? And what will God do with it? When you commit yourself to following Jesus, you'll be amazed at the results that God has for you. So let's come to him in prayer. Please pray with me. Father God, in just a minute... We are going to say the words, Lord, I need you. We're going to say them several times. But even today, as we prepare to go home to the busyness and the noise of our lives, to the quietness and the loneliness of our homes, to the stress of our jobs, whatever else you have for us, God, may we live those words as well. God, 
Move in us by your Holy Spirit so that as we walk out these doors, as we go back to our friends, to our families, to our work, to whatever you have for us, Lord, may we be changed. Holy Spirit, go with us so that when we, when we feel that nudge to test your word and to put our trust in you, Holy Spirit, empower our action and our obedience. We can't do it on our own. We know there's good reason why we're in the habits we're in. But God, may we see the good gift of Sabbath that you have for us, the good gift of rest, and may we take the next step of obedience and faith to trust you and explore what a life of rest and a life of deeper relationship with you and with others might look like. Hear our prayer and empower our actions, Lord. In your Son's name, amen.